0: Look, I've given this a lot of thought, and I'm convinced of one simple truth. I am Frank Sinatra's son. I know that sounds crazy, but I've got evidence, tons of it. A whole big swinging mess of evidence, to use the parlance of my father, Frank Sinatra. I don't have much time, but I wanted to get all this proof down in one place before they come for me. The most important thing to know about me is that I've never had any idea who I am. I mean, I know my own name. I know I prefer mustard to ketchup, and I think it's a tragedy highways replaced reliable commuter trains as America's primary means of transportation, but those are just puzzle pieces. I'm talking about the whole picture. When I tried to put the pieces together, it was always a nightmare. A hideous picture of a man with toes growing out of his head and hands for abs. I never knew what the point of me was. I was given up for adoption at birth. I never knew my real parents. My adoptive parents were kind, but they were both postal workers They wanted me to follow in their footsteps. Literally, I tried. When I was 24 years old, I got a hernia from Victoria's Secret catalogs. After that, I hung up the bag. I moved around a lot. I've lived in New York, Los Angeles, Portland, Oregon, Portland, Maine, Minneapolis, Chicago, and Peoria, Illinois. I've been a barista. A bank teller, uh, whatever the hell the guy who shaves the beef is called at Arby's. And then I settled down. I spent the majority of my career as the branch manager of a Blockbuster video store in Akron, Ohio. Until they all closed. Which was a bit of a blow. But I did get to keep several hundred HD DVDs that Blockbuster failed to liquidate. I do not currently own an HD-DVD player. Anyway, in my free time, I've dabbled in poetry, community theater, model train collecting, computer programming, getting beat up by angry suburban moms at kickboxing classes, and of course my main pastime, sitting up late at night wondering who the hell I am. But then, last year, I finally got around to getting a copy of my birth records and everything fell into place. My mother was allegedly named Jane Smith, and no father was listed. But, oh, that blank space, it was like the rest between the notes. It spoke volumes. I was born white, naked, and screaming in Hoboken, New Jersey, same birthplace as Francis Albert Sinatra, When Frank was born, he had to be pulled out of his mother with forceps, perforating his eardrum and permanently scarring his neck. According to my medical records, my birth was very easy. I was coated in an excessive amount of amniotic fluid, so I slipped right out. This is also the reason the doctor immediately dropped me to the floor, giving me a scar on my forehead that looks like an oldie-time microphone. Anyway, these are flavor details. Here are the salient facts. I was born in 1963. At this point in Sinatra's life, he was unmarried and had a penchant for dating showgirls. I believe it is entirely possible my mother was a showgirl, because I've got great legs. They're lean, muscular, and to be honest, they go on longer than the uh, iTunes user agreement. I also share some obvious genetic traits with my father. I'm skinny, real, real skinny, always have been. I can't walk against a harsh wind. I have to, I just have to dance with it and let it lead. And one of my eyes is blue. The other one turned brown after I got hit in the head by a foul ball at a baseball game. Yes, I have one blue eye and one brown eye like David Bowie, but I'm not David Bowie's son. I am Frank Sinatra's son. Look at my cheekbones. They're huge. They're intimidating. They enter the room before I do. The sheer weight of their presence lingers in the room long after I've left. So the genetics work, the math works. There was no other man in the world who could possibly be my father except Frank Sinatra. Now, I've talked to a lot of naysayers who whine that I need tangible scientific data. They say, in order to prove anything, I need a sample of Frank Sinatra's DNA. Well, I have access to Sinatra's DNA. We all have access to Sinatra's DNA. It's spread across our entire cultural landscape, you assholes. Sinatra lived his life out loud. Hundreds of books have been written about him, thousands of newspaper articles. He left behind hours and hours of recordings, not only albums, but appearances on radio, TV, movies. There are streets named after him. He had his own line of pasta sauce. Pasta sauce, for God's sake. And yet somehow, as a culture, we're already forgetting about him. How sad is that? If a life that well-documented can be forgotten so quickly, what hope do the rest of us have? Who will remember we existed at all? Anyway, I'm wasting time. They could open that door and take me off any minute. The point is, I know the real Sinatra. Not just the tacky tip of the iceberg bullshit that Capitol Records spews whenever they want to sell a new best-of album. Hey, the chairman of the board wore a fedora, and maybe he knew the mob, but also he sang pretty. Relive the magic. Screw you, Capitol Records. I know the essential truths of Frank Sinatra. And every one of those truths matches up with me, with what's in my very soul. That's where the real proof is. So let's have a breakdown. I mean, let's break this down. Frank Sinatra despite all the stereotypes about him, was an early advocate for diversity. In the 1940s, he won an Academy Award for a short film he made about tolerance called The House I Live In. He championed the career of Sammy Davis Jr. and raised money for Martin Luther King Jr. I'm also willing to put my money where my mouth is when it comes to my beliefs. I once volunteered to answer phones for the Akron, Ohio Public Television Pledge Drive. I did it for 72 hours straight. I got an antiques roadshow mug and a bladder infection. I stand up for my beliefs, even if it means just sitting there for three days with minimal bathroom breaks. My father was also a very inventive man. He created the concept of the concept album. That's right. Without Frank Sinatra, Jethro Tull would never have made Thick as a Brick. I could have thought of a better example to illustrate that. My point is Sinatra had vision, he saw the big picture. That an album didn't have to just be a collection of random songs about the moon and getting dumped. Instead, it could tell a cohesive story of a guy who gets dumped, then feels sad while he's looking at the moon. That's basically the story of the album in the wee small hours of the morning. I, too, have had some moments of vision. I created something that I truly believe will revolutionize the entertainment world. Here it is. An app that matches Snack's. To movies. Just like songs used to be thrown on LPs randomly with no sense of cohesion or narrative progression, we just eat any damn thing with any damn movie like a bunch of savages. And with my app, your belly and your soul will be united. Watching Moulin Rouge? You're going to want cheese bread. Bad Boys 2? Jalapeno peppers. The 1997 special edition version of The Empire Strikes Back? Gluten-free Rice Krispie bars. I'm not just pulling this out of thin air. It's an algorithm. There will be blood, Fig Newtons. See? That's not something you can just know. I worked hard to figure all of this out and build it into my algorithm. Clueless corn niblets. I could do this all night. The point is, I invented something that will leave a mark on the world. I have a big idea. I just need people to hear it. All I have to do is get it out there. And I will. I will. Because I'm driven. Just like Frank was. Frank was driven because his mother, my grandmother, Natalina Dolly Sinatra, was intense. He needed to succeed to prove his will was as strong as hers. So when he did set his mind to something, he did it. Wham, bam, no prisoners. Frank Sinatra was the living embodiment of the American dream. He was an angry, poor Italian kid from Hoboken, New Jersey, but he had a fire in his soul to conquer the world. I had the same fire when I worked at Blockbuster. That's how I became the branch manager. I suggested DVDs and VHS tapes, like my life depended on it. It took 12 years, but God damn it, I made it happen. I sold a lot of doubting customers on the brilliance of Sinatra's movies. Sure, he made some crap, like The Kissing Bandit and Four for Texas, but he gives phenomenal, commanding, sensitive performances in The Manchurian Candidate, The Man with the Golden Arm, and even fun romps like Ocean's Eleven. Oh, Ocean's Eleven, Totino's Pizza Rolls. Frank's acting style was unique because he preferred to do just one take. One take Charlie, they called him. That's why I like doing very small, low-budget community theater performances. Sure, you rehearse for three months, but then you do the show once, and bam, you're done. That makes sense to me. It's Annie, get your gun. And Annie, keep getting your gun night after night until you're so bored you want to blow your brains out. <laughs> I'm sorry if that came out a bit dark, a bit acerbic and depressive, but hey, I get it from my dad. Dad wrestled with some dark times. He was famously quoted as saying, I'm for anything that gets you through the night, be it prayer, tranquilizers, or a bottle of Jack Daniels. Dad mostly relied on Jack Daniels. He was what we would call nowadays a functioning alcoholic. I also enjoy bourbon occasionally, but I am more of a wine man. For every shot of Jack that Sinatra ever tossed back, I've swilled a big, full-bodied glass of chilled Chablis. And like my father... The source of my hooch-drenched misery is the ladies. Now, my father was a ladies' man. Before he ever made it big, he was arrested for the crime of seduction. At the time, seduction was the acceptable term for having sex in the back of a car. I myself have never had sex in the back of a car, or the front of a car, or at someone else's house, or with the lights on. Look, this is a point where I differ from my father. He was a passionate man. He was married four times and was not always faithful. I do not have what is called a way with the ladies. I've had three serious relationships in my life. Strangely, they've all been with women named Deborah. I don't know why I've only dated Deborahs. It's just worked out that way. I have personally tanked every one of those relationships. Deborah's of the World 3, James Zero. I'll be honest, I've not been a good partner. My eyes always wander, the blue one and the brown one, but while my eyes wander, my body just stays there. If you've ever been at a cocktail party and saw a weird guy with amazing legs, imposing cheekbones, and a big glass of Chardonnay staring at you, was probably me. I'm sorry. I deserve every beating I've ever taken at a kickboxing class. I'm flawed. I'm deeply, deeply flawed. It's in my bones. My father, Frank Sinatra, was also a very complicated, flawed man. But he was the first artist who figured out how to lean into his flaws and make them work for him. In the late 40s, he was done. The war was over. Suburbs were popping up everywhere. America was getting wholesome and righteous. Meanwhile, my father was punching out reporters and stepping out on his wife, Nancy Barbados Sinatra, with the glamorous movie star Ava Gardner. The public was done with him. It was like his personal blockbuster store just got closed forever. But did he stop? Did he give up? No. He fought and he made the big comeback. He landed a pivotal role in From Here to Eternity, a harrowing war movie that pairs best with Putin. He got himself signed to Capitol Records and started recording new songs. But more than anything, he held himself differently. He had swagger now. He had a twinkle in his bright blue eyes that said, damn, I've seen some things. He was wounded. Wounded like a wolf. He could swing back and forth from broken to vulnerable to dangerous and on the prowl. It was brilliant. Because it was honest. That's who he really was. And he let it show. That's where he rests in the public mind. Leaning up against a piano with a glass of Jack in his hand, loosening his tie, belting out the truth. Two minutes. Okay, okay, I hear you. There's so much more to say, but I'm I'm running out of time, so let's get to the really important stuff. The music. That voice. The, now, I know, I know. The big question. The question you've been asking yourself the whole time. Sure. Sure. You've got his cheekbones, you can pound wine like a champ, you're determined to succeed, and you have the legs of a showgirl, but none of that matters if you can't sing. Well, <laughs> I may not have my father's pipes, but I have his phrasing. I'll prove it. I'm going to sing for you. I picked a very specific song. I've got a lot to choose from father is associated with hundreds of songs. You'll notice I said associated with, not written by. My father didn't write songs, except I'm a Fool to Want You, which he co-wrote with Joel Heron and Jack Wolf to reflect his tortured feelings about Ava Gardner, but I digress. My father didn't write songs. He took songs that already existed and made them his own. Can you imagine that? Singing a song so well, No one else would be willing to do it out of fear of comparison. The closest I've come to accomplishing that is recommending Titanic so elegantly other Blockbuster employees were ashamed to pitch it to customers. Anyway, anyway, I'm losing precious time. The song I picked is I've Got the World on a String. It's one of the first songs he recorded with Nelson Riddle at Capitol Records before his big comeback. It is on the page a terrible song. Listen to these lyrics. I've got the world on a string, sitting on a rainbow, got the string around my finger. What a world, what a life, I'm in love. I mean, holy Christ. In this song, the protagonist wants us to know he's expressing his love by putting a rope around the globe and bouncing it around from his perch atop some celestial Nordic god rainbow bridge. These are the syphilitic ravings of a madman, but in my father's voice, it becomes an exultation of joy. Because he meant those lyrics. He believed them. Even at his lowest, he still knew who the hell he was. He knew he was no one if he didn't win. So no matter how many times the world knocked him down, no matter how many blockbusters they closed, he got back up. And if I'm his son then I can do that too. Right? That's just common sense. That's just who I am. I have to be able to get back up. I have to be worth remembering. Mr. Urbaniak, it's time. Just a minute, I'm proving something. I... Got the world on a string, sitting on a rainbow. Got the string around my finger. What a world, what a life, I'm in love. (laughs) Ha ha, you see? You see, it's all about the phrasing. Come on. We have We have to go. Okay, okay. I just need to make sure I save this recording. The judges have a lot of people to see. If you want to be on America's Next Big Idea, you have to come with me right now. Let's do it. Okay, okay. I'm ready. So what idea are you pitching to the judges? It's an app that determines the correct snack to eat while watching a specific movie. Well, fortune favors the bold, Mr. Urbaniac. Please, call me Mr. Sinatra. jam No one knows who I am Put your head on my chest And I'm Mr. Success Never closed me a deal All at once I'm a wheel Just your head on my chest And I'm Mr. Success Getting on with James Urbaniak Episode 25, The Big Comeback, was written by Joseph Scrimshaw and produced and performed by James Urbaniak and Dustin Marshall. This program is part of the Feral Audio Network. Visit feralaudio.com for prior episodes and other podcasts. Not for me, not what I want to be, just your head on my chest, and I'm Mr. Success.